fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Daniel J. Glenn, Analytical Mastermind here, popping in once again to remind you that this is a video podcast. You can check it out at youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn, or of course, go to our website, fgbt.com. You'll find it right there on the homepage or in the episode list at the top of the page. And now, on to the show. Well, welcome to another episode of Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. Now, you know the show. It's Daniel J. Glenn, Analytical Mastermind, right here. And, of course, the show's not complete without these two guys. Physics phenom, Dr. Michael Dennett. Always great to be doing one of these. Oh, it's great to have you here, yeah. Dennett. And, of course, next to you, Ben Seepser, the enigmatic engineer. Very excited to have you guys here. This is going to be a good one. I Thank like this one. Do you? Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's brilliant. I think and we haven't recorded it yet, but I know. <laughs> <laughs> you have a feeling. I do. You know, it's funny, you guys, so we're talking about, we're really going to discuss here the, the junction point between robotics and artificial intelligence. It's a big one. We're going to use Cylons, of course, are, are my favorite example. We're going to talk about those in a second. But before we do, I'm really curious, what, what's your favorite space sci-fi show, guys? Uh, television show, not a movie. Ben, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to have to say The Expanse. <laughs> you are eagerly awaiting season we've talked four. About this before. <laughs> it's coming out very soon. Yes, it's true. Uh, the, the, I saw the preview of Comic Con and everything. It was very exciting. Wow. I'm excited for Hopefully, you. Hopefully, you saw us at Comic Con too. <laughs> yes, we were there. We were there. Uh, uh, you've got a, quite a big little grin on your face. So, you yeah. really like this show. Yeah, I, I like it because it's, it's a very hard sci fi. They try to be as realistic as possible, but it's also uh. very grounded in our our world and mm. what would happen if humans with our political issues, shall we say, yeah. and our um, humanity and sometimes lack thereof were, you know, not, not off in the, all over the galaxy, but just in our solar system. And mm. what, you know, what does the political realities of having, you know, if you had a colony on Mars, like what mm. do the politics like the, of that look like? And if there's people in the asteroid belt who are mining ice and rocks and mm. and mm. they're kind of subjugated by the rest of the, by the inner systems and well it's very similar know, it's, it'd be like a new age if this really happened it would be like a brand new age of colonization yeah and and we saw what happened there i mean there's still revolts you know in this century well not i guess not in this century i don't think but definitely in the last century there have been colony revolts yeah. from yeah. the british empire yeah. from and it's years all ago. about the people who are on the periphery not getting the credit they deserve and right not being happy about that and right and I hope it's really you, interesting. And I take a lot of credit for the show, so I hope you guys never come to that point because I don't want I don't want our show to revolt. I don't want you guys to revolt yeah. against me. So I need to keep you guys subjugated properly. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just feed me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so that's your the expanse, of course. Yeah. Uh, you've you've been very vocal about that. Then and what's yours? TV well, show. I, I, and, since it, it has to be a TV show. What? Can't, <laughs> can't say Star Trek. Okay, so you can say Star Trek. I mean, I'm gonna get a lot of. Harassment, I fear for this, but the original Star Trek. Why? Why harassment? I'm not I don't know. It, it's people well, love the original. Out, yeah, I just I love it. People leave them alone. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's something about it that, um, where it's a great example to me of science fiction, where so much of it is coming true, mm -hmm. even though it was made fun of in certain ways. Okay. So I, I love the fact that later on in the movies. 
you have the problem where they go back in time and you've got Scotty, the engineer, trying to talk to a computer. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. That, and, and now that's what we do. Right. Hey, Siri. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> we're just we're getting lazy. We can't type on a keyboard anymore. Sure. Right. You know, and I mean, yeah, you had the communicators and, and they didn't last very long. Right. Flip phones lasted for what, about a year? <laughs> No, flip phones were very popular no. for a long period. Yeah, time. but again, that's your basic communicator. Now right. we hadn't used right. them for space yet. No, but it, it's still the the theory's there, and so and the automatic opening sliding doors. You know, that's a big part of the show. You <laughs> know, yeah. yes, um, we and, have those, and we have those. They're very popular. So as a show that makes technology come true. Yeah. They the, were the first show, fascinating they're gadgets. The first gizmos, fascinating right. gadgets. <laughs> we still have to break warp drive. Sure. Right. There's a few things, but that's pretty much it. You know, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Everything right? else in there, Everything we got there. We've pretty much built. So, you know, yeah. it, post post scarcity society. Yeah. Well, that that the society we mean. I'm just talking the technology. But I also, you know, going to that. As much as I, I do like Ben's comments, you know, about the expanse and and the other shows and how science fiction can also raise some of these key issues for us. Mm-hmm. But I found Star Trek very hopeful. Yeah. And I'm fundamentally an optimist. Right. Right. And it it said that despite there still being problems and obviously they had to do a lot of stuff and mm-hmm. deal with issues, there was a sense that society could kind of get to some of the next levels. Right. Possibly. Yeah. So there was some hope there, too. I like that. Well, you and I are equal and opposite on that, which is why we work so well together. I, I wouldn't say I'm a pessimist, but I think the reality of society yeah. getting over anything. I mean, there's a conversation going on right now at the recording of this on whether or not Japan should dump radioactive gallons and gallons of radioactive water into the ocean. So I don't know if as a society we're quite at yeah. uh, Star Trek. No, we're not. But, you know. You never know. Yeah, um, you know it's funny. I always sound like such a such a dope when we talk when we go through these because I don't know that Battlestar Galactica, the new one, is my favorite sci-fi show of all time. I will preface it by that. But what I will say is I really enjoyed that series, and I did not watch yeah. it when it first came out. I watched it years later. I really liked Battlestar yeah. Galactica. I understand why it was a phenomenon. I, t- I really liked it. And the idea, this it came out at a time, you know, in our society. So, you know, where we didn't know who the enemies were. They kind of looked like us. Like, as right. far as politically, whether who was, you know, was right around the terrorism scare in the early 2000s. So there are a lot of pl- sociopolitical themes that may not necessarily be true exactly today, but aren't that far off. But what it gave us and what it's giving us today, the gift that it gave us this very day is this idea of the of robots and AI coming to a point where they are so realistic you cannot distinguish them from human beings. Okay. And I I you know I, I, what I'm going to talk about today, the in real life stuff I found is all from within the past six months, maybe a year. It's crazy, guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is absolutely crazy. Just the stuff from, from you know, recently. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, and this is, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to go the Cylon route where they destroy humanity or the HAL route, you know, in tw- space, 2001 Space Sorry, Odyssey. Sorry, I can't do that. Or Skynet. Yeah. I, you know, but I think that's everyone's fear that when you start making robots smart, the first thing they're going to do is get rid of us. Well, you know, it's an, this that is a really interesting question from the following perspective. I'm going to just jump right into this. You got it, right? man. Let's do it. Um, you know, and and I'll connect to one of my favorite science fiction authors, Isaac Asimov, mm-hmm. right, with the three laws of robotics. Right. These are great. Right. And 
when you think about it, AI raises a couple of different questions. Mm -hmm. And we'll be a little more philosophical and esoteric than I usually am. I love it. Okay. But on the one hand, right, there really is the question of kind of free will and choice mm -hmm. that underlies things that I'm going to come back to. Okay. But on the surface, we often say there's like the turning test, right? You ask all these questions and can you tell the difference between a person and a machine and a computer and a person? And what we realize, I think, is there is no real way of knowing what's going on in other people's heads. You know, what you, what you so get. So there is. Well, <laughs> I'm going to, here's well, a little teaser. There actually is. Well, we can measure, we can measure stuff. But even that's measuring like the just the signals and the impulses. Oh, Dennis, I'm going to no, blow your mind. No, but we 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 really <laughs> we, from a consciousness point of view, uh -huh. right? Okay. I, one of the things I think people are slowly realizing um, is you can kind of get a sense of something self-aware. Mm. But I will argue this this whole idea of even for ourselves. Do we have any choices, mm -hmm. real choices, mm -hmm. or are we just following the laws of physics and biology that make us do things? Mm -hmm. Is that the heart of whether or not this AI will go bad and take us over mm -hmm. yeah. or not? Because the reality is, you know, the implication is these things decide that there's something bad about us mm -hmm. and it has to eliminate us. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, and they realize there's something bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a, yeah. Well, that's a fair, but, but, very fair. But they realize it <laughs> and they have to make a decision to yeah. do something about it. Yeah. Right. And if, if they're, if at the end of the day, they are just obeying laws that are built into them, no matter how complex and no matter whether it gives them actual intelligence and consciousness. Yeah. It's an interesting question whether they could then make that break. Mm -hmm. um, and I have some other examples that come to later, but mm -hmm. I, I think we're really going into an interesting space of consciousness and free will if we think they're going to turn evil and if we're yeah. worried about them turning evil. I'm just focusing on the turning yeah. evil thing right now. Okay. There's an interesting area there versus sort of the Isaac Asimov direction and world where you make effectively artificial intelligence, but you recognize that it's going to follow the laws that are programmed into it. Mm -hmm. And the key is you put in the fail safes about you know, not harming a human, not harming themselves, and then obeying anything a human tells them to do. Sure. Right. So yeah. it's really... Well, so let's not go quite into the what I like to call the robocalypse. That's what I've called it. In right. Place. Yeah. Let's not quite go there yeah, yet. Yeah, I just wanted to open with that because it yeah. has other implications. Sure. And, you know, it's funny. I used to be, not to jump down a rabbit hole here too early, but I used to be, uh, you can do anything you want. You got free will. But I've read a lot of interesting things that make a very strong argument against that. And my mind has been changed. I think the human brain, lots of studies have shown that given the same factors, given the same environmental factors and the same choices, you think you can make a different choice, but you will in fact make the same choice. You know, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but if not 100%, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very strange. Um, so we got two things here we need to talk about. Robots, AI, conjunction of both. So um, let's talk about... A couple of things that are really interesting here. So first, this is a little act of synchronicity here. So we are recording this in September of 2019. I don't like to date the shows, but that's when we're recording this. Okay, right? Okay, yeah, that is right. Yeah. Okay. Wait. You were looking straight. I, I, wait, hold on. I, Am I, I wrong I, here? You give it me sounded weird, look. but okay, okay. yeah. That yeah. is correct. It does sound weird for sure. Yeah. So check this out. Just a few days ago, August 31st, that's right before September. Dennis. Yes, thank you. August 31st, there was the Biohack the Planet, a biohacking conference in Las Vegas, which is really interesting. And then a couple days later, um, on the 1st of September, there was the World that Artificial... That would be one day later? 
What did I say? Couple? Yeah. Oh, okay. One day later. Couple just hours? Couple hours Just later. fact check you. <laughs> Excellent work. That Thank is you. Absolutely phenomenal work. Uh, I had no idea what year it was when you started. <laughs> I thought I could prove I could add. <laughs> the, so the World Artificial Intelligence Conference was just right. held. Both these things are happening right around the time we're recording this, which I found really interesting. Um, so when it comes to... Uh, oh, and I also want to mention, I did a whole episode. I'm going to do... I got to do it right here. On the Robocalypse with Linda Moulton we talked about automated weapon systems, which we're going to mm-hmm. get into right. in a little bit, which kind of goes down the road we're going for. But, you know, just recently, here's a, here's a cool one. The Russians launched Skybot F-850. Uh, it was, an, it was a, a, a robot that was going to deliver supplies to the ISS. This just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good use of robotic. It didn't have artificial intelligence from a robotic standpoint. It worked. Now, here's yeah. the trick there. It malfunctioned going up there. So it didn't quite do what it was supposed to do. Yeah. Um, many times those vehicles haven't malfunctioned and have not, or they do have not. Yeah, right. I mean, all, almost all the supplies that are delivered to the space station are delivered robotically by a spacecraft that flies itself to the space station. So having like a, a robot, the first robot astronaut, not a big deal. I mean, it's not even a. I wouldn't call it a robot. Like an astronaut implies that there's like a thing. <laughs> You know, driving sure. the steering wheel. Like when in reality, airplane. it's just a like, algorithm in the computer. Yeah. Well, no, this was an actual robot, though. Oh. Like an actual robot. Oh, I didn't. The F, yeah, the F eight fifty. Yeah. Wait, like inside the Soyuz, there mm-hmm. was an actual like yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that wild. seems extraneous, but okay. Why? I love it. I think it's cool. I yeah. think it's amazing. Um, uh, I just it's. I think there. it's because Disney got in charge and they needed to do the animatronics. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's really interesting. That's like a very peaceful use of robots. But, you know, I mentioned the Robocalypse. They're lethal automated weapon systems are a thing that people are really working on here. And the most recent um, is they have... Are those called laws? Yes. Wow. That's kind of an ironic acronym. It certainly is. Yeah, they are called laws. Um, And then there's... Here's another acronym for you. Uh, Elusive... (laughs) <laughs> L-U-S-V. These are basically drone Navy vessels. So they're mm. battleships that can be autonomous. So you're talking about when you start, the military obviously is going to have the money to invest in this stuff. When you yeah. start using right. robots to start doing and doing things that you don't, that you take humans out of the loop or it's possible, yeah. that's where I think you run into problems. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it reduces the cost of war significantly to have the thing launching weapons and shooting guns be something that doesn't have a human in it and you don't care if it gets blown up. Like you right. care about a human. It's a huge ethical quandary of, you know, you can have this army of robots and have a war and you don't endanger any of your people anymore. Right. You know, that's a, <laughs> no, that's, that's great. That's a big positive. But well, but, it, but it's also a negative because it allows you to wage wars that you might not otherwise wage because mm. you don't care about casualties anymore. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Um, but I, what, the thing that that kind of I think is concerning to me and other people is just this idea that you can have a machine that has the ability to launch missiles to shoot. And when it's when when a machine needs to make the determination on what a civilian is versus like a militant, like that's you know yeah. that's the well real that problem that's here. where it gets tricky. But it's a, it's a general problem. It, well, it's one of the things to keep in mind, right? When we talk about artificial intelligence. At one level, we are just talking about, and English language is going to fail me here a little bit, better decision-making algorithms mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily making choices mm-hmm. in, in a sense. You know, you talked about earlier, like how many of our choices are really mm, yeah. limited and how many are sure. truly yeah. choices, right? You know, um, 
you know, just think about AI and cars. It's a big challenge right now, right? Do you want the car making the decision whether to drive you into a tree or right. run over the three people in front of you? Right. Right. You know, that's, and that in the car will be just programmed in. It will be making these decisions based on maybe a very, very complex algorithm, maybe based on AI learning, machine learning. Sure. But it, at the end of the day, we will be putting in the rules. Mm -hmm. um, and, and including with that, we will be putting in our various biases. That's something that's been found in, apply, um, in artificial intelligence already. Mm -hmm. um, people make these algorithms to hopefully take out bias, say, in giving out loans to people. You don't want to be biased on factors that shouldn't matter, right? Right. Whether it's race or gender things, you want to just make it based on whether they can have the loan or not, or be able to and pay it back. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That being is, able to pay yeah. it back, right? And and yet, because it was people designing the algorithms, people have found they remain just as biased. <laughs> yeah. That's so, crazy. And that's yeah. Um, and then there's even worse things like you try and train it to recognize a school bus. Well, if it's a school bus sliding down the road on its side, it declares it a snowplow. Right. And just make that transformation there's in your head and you can see that. why these mistakes happen. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. lots of that that goes on. So that's AI. I want to close on robots really quickly because there's two interesting things here. There's a company called Boston Dynamics, yeah. which I think we talked about a few times. They make incredibly realistic robots, um, human-like, ones that can jump, ones that can navigate terrain. Yeah. Um, they've got a, a dog that can kind of... That, that, that can open the door and collaborate <laughs> with another one. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, so when you we got robots that are doing that kind of cool stuff, that yeah. are navigating the world, that's pre-AI. Yeah. You know, so yeah. we've got robots that are really highly advanced. Um, and, and I think one other thing, the last thing here, this just this is brand new. I just read this article yesterday. Democratic presidential candidate Bill de Blasio is is suggesting a robot tax. So forget the politics of this, you know, just that this is a topic of conversation by, you know, by a, by a current presidential candidate, um, you know, and not a, not a, and not a, a fringe candidate, you know. Right. Uh, borderline, okay. <laughs> but, but just that it's being discussed as a way, you know, the impact that robots are having on, you know, yeah, it's about, right. you know, taxing robots for, the, their, in, for automation and losing yeah. human jobs. But right. just the fact that it's even a conversation, that should tell you something. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things, you know, that's interesting you mentioned, Dan, that's important, like with the silence, if we come back to the silence for a moment. Yeah. And the fact that they blend in, right? There's two challenges to blending in. Challenge one is looking human. Mm -hmm. And that's a robot question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? How you design the physical machinery. Um, challenge two is passing the conversation test. Passing yeah. that when you talk to them, you believe they're human, you know, and, and you asked favorite TV shows. You didn't ask favorite science fiction movies. I didn't. And I happen to love the original Blade Runner. Mm, okay. And you have that similar challenge, right, of detecting yeah. the replicants in that. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's that yeah, great yeah. scene where it's through interviewing, mm -hmm. right, yeah. that you try and do this. And there's this whole series of questions. Yeah. yeah, and even in the Alien series, which we we did an episode on, you know, the one of the scientists, you know, now spoiler alert, but you know, he turns out to be a yeah, robot. He's an android. Yeah, yeah, an android. I mean, it's yeah. it, it just that's a really it's got to pass the smell test. It has to overcome what's called the uncanny valley things yeah. that right. you know things that once you start getting things that look human, it hits a certain point where it becomes creepy, but then it becomes so realistic that you can't tell the difference. But it right. has to overcome that because humans can sense that. Very yeah. interesting aspect there. Um, and it's, and it's a tough problem mechanically. Mm -hmm. the, the, the both of those problems, I think, are really tough. Right. Like we can't even hand. We can't. 
like our best CG artists still have trouble like animating a human face to make mm -hmm. it look right. Right. And yeah. that's, you know, with nothing physical at all. <laughs> Yeah. You know, imagining having to recreate like every single muscle and ligament and tendon yeah. in your face and trying to, yeah. you know, have your face wrinkle like the, all of that. That's all would have to be faked properly in right. these robots. And that's a very big challenge. Yeah. Mm. And it just also goes to show what amazing processing systems we are. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Right. Like our sensory input and what we can take in and how we process it without us even thinking about it yeah. is amazing. I say that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so now we're talking about robots, very difficult, but let's move on to AI. Because yes. I think it's the second sure. piece here. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, but there's a couple things I wanted to talk about. I, so there, there is a huge microchip that is being created now. This is you know just a week old information. Yeah. Uh, it's an extra yeah. large microchip that is specifically designed for AI. What was that to scale? Yeah, I think this <laughs> is the scale, yeah. Well, because most microchips, hence the name, are yeah. very small. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this happens to be a very large microchip, again, to scale, right? Uh, that, that is being specifically designed that will make certain calculations possible for AI. Mm -hmm. Now, everything starts out big and becomes small, but just that there's a microchip that's specifically being designed for AI is really interesting. Um, to go back to pop culture for a second, what I love about the TV show Black Mirror is when they do these AI episodes, they have these people running when they're trying to figure out an AI system. You can run a thousand lifetimes worth of information mm -hmm. in a couple seconds with these CPUs, these simulations. Right. So what would take me a lifetime to learn they can learn in you know one program run, you know, which is when it comes to learning, that's incredible. I mean, they can yeah. become old wise men within seconds, you know, mentally. Yeah. Now, potentially. It's, potentially, it's it's a lot of it is still very specific and mm -hmm. you know situation oriented, and but no, it's incredible the leaps we're making. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. deny that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's even there's even this AI program. A guy named Stephen Thaler had to. He basically created creativity. So one of the tricks, you know, there's a there's a whole Rubik's cube um, right. where, where you know they were able to. There's a lot of calculations where they've re reset the world record on a Rubik's cube. Now that's just basic processing. So basically right. taking the current state of the cube and then figuring out how quickly you can turn it with the fewest number of moves, right. whatever, right? Yeah. So that's one thing, but that's not really the real learning part. But this this particular, um, and I'll have a link to this on the page, but it's called the DABUS, which stands for Device for the Autonomous Bootstrapping of Unified sen Sentience, uh, which is you know, a very advanced way of saying creativity. So it's, right. it was able to make inventions. It created a cup that had like a certain lid on it for robots to hold. When you start adding, getting the creativity part of that, that's when things get really weird because that really is the separation between a computer and a human is the ability to kind of be creative in my opinion. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something slightly different. Okay. So creating things is certainly a key characteristic of what humans do. We create things all the time. Mm -hmm. But I was, as I was thinking about this, Dan, mm -hmm. and the AI, I was trying to think, well, what, what example might show a little bit I've had a hard time figuring out how to decide and explain the difference between what my instinct says a real choice is versus just a decision made because of an algorithm. Okay. Even if it's a very high-level decision or a decision that looks like you're doing something like creating a cup that still can come out of a series of underlying decisions. Okay. And I think I may have an example. It may be a horrible one, All so right. I'm curious what you two think. Let's see. But think about the old-fashioned first goal, a machine that could beat a human in chess. Okay. okay. Right? 
mm. which we do now all the time, and yeah. they're, they're awesome, and we make them better. But that general category of winning at games and complex games of strategy. AlphaGo, the, the right, yeah, complicated right, yeah. game, lots of this stuff. So here's where I think the difference is. This is what's interesting to me. A human put in that situation can actually, I would argue, make the choice to lose, mm -hmm. right? And you might mm -hmm. see great strategic value in that. Um, and I, I would never see great strategic no, value. No, because losing. you might recognize that really your goal is a long-term win against the opponent. And there's many cases in which losing draws out what your opponent does. If it's not a loss, that leads to immediate loss. So like if it's out of multiple games or, sure, okay. right? There's often this idea of losing um, is a path to learn more about the person you're playing against and their strategies and how they respond to situations. Can I offer a quick substitute? Yeah. Poker is a really good way. Okay, like, yeah. it, it, like you, you could learn, lose money at poker, learning everyone's tells. tells. Okay, right. that makes sense. To right, me. so, okay. okay. Now, if that as a strategy to win long-term, right, if, the, the, if that was built into the strategy for the game long-term, in poker, it's a little more built in because mm -hmm. you're going to want to sure. do that. Yeah, yeah, right? okay. I'm really talking about a situation where you could make this odd choice as a person. And it's actually in a number of science fiction stories where, where the humans that are weaker being attacked actually choose to lose to undermine the conquerors long term okay. by learning the weaknesses of their society and the way they rule things and overcoming it later, recognizing that it's better to kind of stay alive and surrender and learn the negative parts of the enemy. I would argue a computer that's trained to win mm -hmm. would never make that choice, hmm. Okay, I think, right? Depending, it, it would, I think it would have to be built in somewhere. That's what would intrigue me. If it, if it seemed to make that choice, I might start to think, okay, there's an interesting twist there um, on a difference. Well, I think if you start giving it the ability to think and be creative, it may find that as a path to victory it might. and yeah. then start moving It might, that. but it's, a, it's an interesting, because I'm always struggling with how you distinguish actually finding out if anyone's actually making choices or if we're only just making decisions following the laws of physics. It's hard to imagine a physics experiment you can do mm -hmm. to distinguish that. Sure. And this, is, this was one that intrigued me a little. Huh. I'm yeah. not sure if it's valid. Requires more sort of engineering and analytical masterminding <laughs> yeah. to take to the next step. Sure. But it's an interesting starting point. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It's interesting, because most of our AI machine learning algorithms now, like they learn what they know from, from getting data sets, right. like big data sets that they ingest and process. And then often, once they're trained, that, that process is called training, then they, yeah. they then, then don't learn anymore. Right. They, they use that, that. To make their decisions. They use that training set to make their decisions for the rest of, for the rest of their yeah. existence. Um, so it, it's interesting to think about like an algorithm that continues learning. And there are examples yeah. of that. Like there are versions of AI algorithms that do that. But, but it, this is a little more subtle because yeah. it's not just continuing to learn. It's making a choice to behave against the goal. For that immediate one. To then go yeah. and do something. To, yeah, it's, it's, it's worth thinking about. Yeah. No, it absolutely is. Yeah, I, I wonder if there'd be a... I mean, I could imagine a switch you could put in your algorithm that says like once you know you're going to lose, you start learning instead, you start of, learning instead about of trying winning. to win. Yeah, but that would be interesting. But then again, you're building that in. Yeah. Well, I think that's the evolution of AI, though. But, yeah. but you also, know? you could see that in those data sets. Like, I imagine 
there's a point where the computer could see, oh, that, that's that, a human at, behavior. At, but also, yeah. you could, it could look through that data set and go, ah, the game was, the game is over at this point. There's right. no way black can win anymore right. after move 20, right. but it, the game goes till move 30. And then it could, you know, suss out like the learning from that Possibly, sequence there yeah. too. Anyway, yeah. we may just have given an interesting problem that someone's going to get famous on, so they better cite us. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they have to, legally. Yeah. Um, but, but there's a couple things I want to mention here before we, before we finish here, because right. things we talked about really quickly, you were talking about how AI, whether you can, you know, you turn a butt sideways, it becomes right. a snowplow. They've yeah. actually done, MIT fooled an image recognition software. They, they, they um, 3D printed a turtle, a plastic turtle, and fooled this AI program into thinking it was a rifle, a, hmm. a gun, from every angle, which is very, very bizarre. Yep. Um, you talk about mind reading. So 60 Minutes, just earlier this year, there's an MIT student who created a device where he, it read, he would just think of something. So for example, the interviewer asked him a question, what's the population of this country? He mm -hmm. then thought, did a, did a search, an internet search for it, and then it would tell him the answer in his ear, and then he could say it. But he didn't type anything in, he just used yeah. his brain. Um, so could you imagine connecting all of these things together so people could then communicate with each other? You know, your ancient yeah. aliens, yeah. right? Telepathic communication. <laughs> Maybe it has nothing to do with the brain communicating independently of technology. Right, yeah, no, But yeah. that is the advanced version is what this guy yeah. just created. That's really, that was really interesting yeah. to me. No, that, that is kind of a cool direction we're going yeah and that's yeah. that kind of stuff isn't far off either yeah no not at all and uh one two final notes no, there is a computer robot ai that was litigating judge judy style in <laughs> in england um for for low stake you know small claims right, stuff. Yeah. and so people would argue that it's actually more difficult to do higher claim stuff but yeah. the people making that argument were of course the other lawyers who didn't yeah. want to be put out of right. business <laughs> uh, whether that was interesting and finally to get us right back to Cylons. Uh, on my Twitter feed, I put this article up already. But there are, you know, for some reason, as a human being, sex seems to drive technology. <laughs> uh, and there are sex robots that are so lifelike and so realistic and learn the person so well that they are, in a lot of ways, replacing human intimacy on a very early rudimentary level. But I think that that is the, the place where the Cylons will come from. If, we're, mm. if I'm making that... That, that bold prediction. So, so what you're saying is the only reason that science fiction movies went the way they did is that in our, in our culture and society, violence and blowing things up is easier to turn into a movie than sex. But that in the reality, that's going to be the motivator to drive people to make evil robots. I, I think it'll... I, I think it'll <laughs> I'm not sure the, if I interpreted you right, Dan. I, I just, don't think so at all. Oh, okay. But I actually, you know what I think it would be? It would be convergent evolution. So, I think the military is right. looking for AI that will do violence mm -hmm. because that is a huge force in human nature. Right. And then I think sex is another huge it's force, force. For, the, for everybody else or okay. for the other yeah. main <laughs> parts of the population. I think they will converge, converge at some point where military and sex will come together and make that beautiful, sexy, red-dressed robot from Battlestar Galactica, right. who in turn blows up the entire human civilization. Right. So I think that's the, uh, that's the pivotal point or, here. Or we could look at the Futurama version where, you know, Fry gets so involved with his Lucy Lou bot that he forgets about all <laughs> humanity and you just go extinct because everybody's smooching their robots and no one... 
very smooching people anymore. Very true. And there's also a Rick and Morty version of that, uh, where the robot becomes the only form of reproduction for a particular race, which is another very strange way wow. to yeah. go to go through things. Okay, I want to go back to the robot apocalypse. That was less scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, I think I connected the dots to Cylons. I'm not sure, but yeah. I got really close on yeah. this. Um, if anyone has any other additions to this, you know, you, we're easy to get a hold of. Uh, ben, where can people find uh, you? You can get me on all the major social media. It's at B Seepser. That's B S I E P S E R. Nailed it. Den and where can people find Instagram you? Instagram and Twitter, Den and Michael, no comma, just mm -hmm. Den and Michael, my name in reverse. Mm -hmm. um, but on Facebook, it is Prof Den and Michael. Okay, I'll make sure everyone remember that Prof Den and Michael. Right. Uh, I'm very confusing. So it's Daniel J. Glenn on Twitter, the Daniel J. Glenn on Instagram. Uh, analytical Mastermind on Facebook. If you like the podcast, subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, tune in. And if you're enjoying looking at us and this incredible YouTube version, you can subscribe right there, please. Uh, guys, this has been incredible. It's terrifying, but I think uh, we've really come to the, the fundamental understanding here. Yes. Excellent, yeah. excellent work. Okay. <laughs> and I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. If you love this show, subscribe. We got it on all the best podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and now Spotify. Subscribe, never miss an episode. And of course, this is a video podcast podcast as i mentioned before you can check that out on the website f triple g bt.com that's f triple g bt.com you can find the video version of the podcast you can also follow us on social media you can find every member of the brain trust is on there as well as the show bottom of the page of course twitter and facebook and the aforementioned youtube you can find it there and if you like this show you might like everything that i do go to danieljglenn.com to find out all about my projects, including how to become a member of the Fascination. And by member, I mean citizen. Everyone should become a citizen of the Fascination. That is on Patreon. You can support the show there. Links at the bottom of the page. It's very easy to do. And in exchange for being a citizen, you get members-only access to exclusive content, including some of the audio from the panels that we do. We do lots of live panels in the Southern California area on various different topics, all pop culture science related. And if you can't make it out here, but you still want to hear us, subscribe to the feed, become a citizen, and you can listen to it there. DanielJGlenn.com for all my other projects. And of course, as always, thank you for listening.